0: We're delighted to welcome back John Hodge, it's been way too long. Um, He uh, is an attorney with the Shreveport firm of uh, Wiener, Weiss and Madison, where his practice focuses on matters related to business law, but he also volunteers his time to protect civil liberties in the community. Um, He has served on the board of directors of the Philadelphia Center and acted as its legal counsel for many years. We just had our guest from the Philadelphia Center last week. Um, He's also served as a member of the Board of Directors of the state and local chapters of the American Civil Liberties Union. He's a member of Americans United for the Separation of Church and State and the Human Rights Campaign. So you can see that he kind of fits in. Um, He was awarded the Don Mathis Memorial Human Rights Award for his advocacy of civil rights for gays and lesbians and people living with HIV and AIDS. He also was a past recipient of the Ralph Waldo Emerson Award right here at All Souls for his defense of bisexual, gay, lesbian, and transgender rights, along with First Amendment rights. Um, he attends a local United Methodist church. Would you please help me welcome John Hodge?
1: So much for your invitation to speak. I've spoken to your congregation on a number of occasions, and in my past appearances, I've always introduced myself as a Baptist. I have to tell you that I stand before you today, a reformed Baptist <laughs> in that I now attend a Methodist church. <laughs> uh, the best thing about being a Methodist, I think is that um, attending church is a Sunday morning decision for me. For example, on a day like today, (laughs) stay home. If it's sunshiny, stay home. (laughs) (laughs) I guess you could describe me as a partly cloudy Methodist. (laughs) I'm there every time it's partly cloudy. (laughs) You know, um, when I became a Methodist, I was reminded of the time that I was in college, and uh, my circle of friends at the time were almost exclusively Baptist, and one of our friends got married in a Methodist church. He, he married a, a, a Methodist girl, and so we were uh, at the rehearsal um, event at the church uh, the, the night before the wedding, and uh, so one of my friends picked up this Methodist book of prayers he was reading it while the rehearsal was going on and when it was time to go to the rehearsal dinner we well, said "You know, Scott come on it's time to go and he says I'm just fascinated by this and he said what? and he says well you know some of this is scriptural <laughs> as though Methodism were some type of cults of some sort <laughs> so in, in any event I stand before you as a flawed man I don't purport to be You know the 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 paragon of civil rights of human rights. Uh, Please don't use me as the standard by which to judge others. Um, This morning, I want to speak about human rights and our need to protect those rights in the 21st century. But before I talk about human rights, I want to talk about civil rights, that is the rights that we have as Americans, not just because we're human, but because we're Americans. So, you know, I want to begin with a question of what rights do we as Americans enjoy? And I would suggest to you that if you ask that question to 10 different Americans, you would get 10 different responses. For example, if you asked a war protester, what right do you have? as an American. I'm sure the war war protester would say I have a right of free speech. That is an American right. If you ask that question to a religious minority, what rights do you have as an American? The response would go something like this, the right to practice my religion according to my own conscience. That's an American right. If you ask the atheist that question, it would be, the right to be free from any forced worship or financial support for any religious sect. How about if you ask that question to a person accused of a crime, what, what would the response be? It would be, I have a right to a trial by jury. I have a right to counsel. I have a right to confront my accusers. I have a right to know the charges against me. I have a right to know that if I am acquitted of the crime's for which I am accused, that I will be set free. If you ask that question to a nonconformist, the response would be I have the right to be let alone. That is an American right. To a registered voter, I have a right to cast my vote and to have that vote counted. To gay or lesbians, I have the right to engage in intimate relations in the privacy of my own home with a person of the same gender. I have the right to get married to a person of the same gender. I have the right to hold a job free of discrimination. Those are American rights. To a young couple in love, I have a right to get married. To a person of color, I have the right to be treated the same as everyone else. To a woman with an unwanted or troubled pregnancy, I have the right to lawfully terminate my pregnancy. And to a person living with HIV or AIDS, I have the right to be free from discrimination and to adequate health care. These are American rights, but not necessarily human rights. Although there is an obvious overlap between civil rights and human rights, I want to distinguish the two. Civil rights are protected by our Constitution, Human rights, on the other hand, are not dependent upon the laws or customs of any particular culture or government. These are rights that we have as human beings, not as Americans. Now, where did we get these rights? There are humanists in this room, and humanists would say, humans have rights because of our intrinsic nature and intrinsic worth. They would use the term natural rights. Human rights are merely self-evident characteristics of the natural order. That's what a humanist would say. I call myself a believer in God, and in my case, I believe that our human rights are derived from our Creator. I believe in one God, and that he, she, or it gave me all of my rights. I believe that God has given every human being human dignity, and demands that every person respect the dignity of others. Thomas Jefferson, someone that Unitarians claim as their own, I would suggest that he was a deist and not necessarily a Unitarian, but perhaps they're one and the same, he framed it this way We hold these truths to be self evident that all men are created equal and that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, among them, life liberty and the pursuit of happiness those are familiar words to everyone in this room it's from the declaration of independence freedom doesn't exist because god says so freedom is a gift from god but that gift can be taken from us if we permit it to be taken there's a paradox of freedom although it's a right bestowed by the creator it is enforced by the creation by us We enforce those rights. Freedom, it turns out, only exists when human beings work together with one another. Now, about 70 years ago, the United Nations came up with a universal declaration of human rights. It was the first time in history, believe it or not, that representatives of nations came together to declare values that we as human beings share. Eleanor Roosevelt chaired that commission and came up with a wonderful preamble, and I'm going to read you excerpts of the preamble. Whereas, recognition of the inherent dignity of the equal and inalienable rights of all members of the human family is the foundation of freedom and justice and peace in the world. Whereas, disregard and contempt for human rights have resulted in barbarous acts which have outraged the conscience of mankind and the advent of a world in which human beings shall enjoy freedom of speech and belief and freedom from fear and want has been proclaimed as the highest aspiration among the common people, whereas it is essential that the human rights be protected under rule of law. Now, therefore, the General Assembly proclaim this universal declaration of human rights as a standard of achievement for all peoples and all nations. I won't read you the entire declaration of human rights, but I'll cherry pick a few that I like in particular. All human beings are born free with equal dignity and rights. They are endowed by reason and conscience. Everyone has the right to life, liberty, and security of person. No one shall be subjected to torture or to cruel, inhumane, or degrading treatment or punishment. Everyone has the right to own property. Everyone has the right of freedom of thought. That's not just an American right. That's a human right. Everyone has the right of freedom of conscience and religion and freedom of opinion. Well, those are all rights that we could claim (laughs) as our own American rights. But the Declaration goes on and actually expands... On what we enjoy as Americans. It says, everyone is entitled to all rights and freedoms set forth in this declaration without distinction of any kind such as race, color, sex, language, religion, political or other opinion, national or social origin, property, birth, or other status. That was in 1948 where there should be no distinction among races even though in the United States, particularly in the South, Jim Crow was the law of the land. It goes on. No one shall be held in slavery or servitude. Slavery and and slave trade shall be prohibited in all forms. Everyone, without discrimination, has the right, get this, to equal pay for equal work. This is 2017, and we are still talking about achieving that goal. Eleanor Roosevelt and her other seven members of her team and the United Nations came up with that in 1948. Everyone, get this, has the right to seek and enjoy in other countries asylum from persecution. Today, in the United States, we are denying that relief that is is so essential to protect human rights. How about this? It's not found in the United States Declaration of Independence or in the Constitution, but it is in the Human Rights Declaration by the United Nations. Everyone has the right to rest and leisure Everyone has the right to a standard of living adequate for the health and well-being of himself and his family, including food, clothing, housing, medical care, and necessary social services. 1948, we're still struggling. We still have a struggle to protect and defend human rights. In America, our unalienable rights are under attack. And if we don't do something about it, our rights, and I would say our God-given rights, can be taken away from us. Who's trying to alienate our unalienable rights? In our country, it comes from a sources. One is the religious right, but the other is the government itself. And I stand before you as a nonpartisan on that issue. Both Democrats and Republican leaders at times try to take away some of our rights. What about the religious right? Let's start with them. They subject uh, Supreme Court nominees to right-wing litmus tests. They steadily erode the lawful right of a woman to terminate her pregnancy. They have succeeded in allocating billions of dollars in tax money to religious groups. Uh, They have succeeded in curbing comprehensive sex education in public schools. And they have intervened in personal end-of-life decisions. You may recall many years ago in the Terry Schiavo case in Florida, the Congress of the United States intervened in that woman's end-of-life care. Although they have had great successes in what I just mentioned, it's not enough, it's never enough for the religious right. They speak openly of taking back this country for Christ. As TV preacher D. James Kennedy put it in his 1997 book, Character and Destiny, he says, quote, this is our land, this is our world, this is our heritage, and with God's help, we shall reclaim this nation for Jesus Christ, and no power on earth can stop us. They take their mission seriously. We need to take our mission seriously to defend human rights. the attack on our rights are not just from the religious right, they're from our government itself, not just the current administration. Whatever administration is in power, they always seek to attack the rights of the people. Some administrations are better than others. It's not my role today to talk about that issue, but I can assure you I have opinions on that issue. (laughs) Peace Hunger, shelter, justice, protection of the defenseless, these are very abstract principles for most of us. If we are to protect human rights, it is our obligation, as the scriptures said that were read to us this morning, to feed the hungry, to provide shelter for the homeless, to provide a defense for the accused, and and to protect the defenseless. It is our obligation to protect and defend civil rights guaranteed to us by our Constitution and human rights guaranteed to all peoples on this planet. There is work to be done. If you're not a registered voter, register. If you're a registered voter and do not vote, vote. It's up to you. We are utterly dependent upon each other to protect each other's civil liberties and human rights. Now, why should we care if somebody else's rights are being taken away but not our own? Why should we care about the treatment of someone with HIV and AIDS if we don't have HIV or AIDS ourselves? We don't have any skin in that game. Why should we care if a same-sex couple is being denied privileges that an opposite-sex couple would enjoy? Why should we care if a war protester is being discriminated Or why should we care about criminal detainees? Well, part of the answer lies in the awareness of individual dignity upon which our society rests. A dignity belonging to the orthodox and the nonconformist alike. Part of the answer lies in the awareness that if the state may silence the speech of the nonconformists, they may silence the speech of us. And part lies, uh, lies in the awareness that rulers who have the power to suppress ideas are all too likely to suppress truths that threaten their own power. I close with this. Never let your guard down. Our rights are constantly under attack. If we don't defend this cause, no one else will. Greater citizen participation in our electoral process will change the shape of the debate on key issues. Our best hope for shaping a new direction is ourselves. Thank you very much.